Good morning, everybody, and happy December. Welcome to our online worship experience. My name is Peyton Minsmeyer. I'm one of the ministers here at the Vero Beach Church of Christ, and we are so happy that you could join us online. We are in the middle and towards the end of our Sermon on the Mount series, and we are actually coming to an end. Just as 2020 is coming to its end, the Sermon on the Mount series is as well. We'll have a brand new series in the year 2021. And Jesus, he's going to bring all of his sermon to its zenith in one precept. We call it the golden rule. It says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. It's pretty remarkable. Uh, Again, this has often uh, been categorized as the golden rule. I learned in my studies of this that that was likely adopted because Emperor Alexander Servius had this precept written on his um, Roman walls in gold. He didn't necessarily follow the rule, but I guess he liked the way it sounded and the way it looked written on his wall. And so history kind of adopted this saying as the golden rule. Now, many people have noted the similarities of Jesus's rule, which is due to others what you'd want to do them what you would want done to yourself and compared it with other historical philosophers, both around the time of Jesus and also one notable one five centuries before Jesus by an Asian philosopher named Confucius. But his golden rule says this, do not impose on others what you do not wish for yourself. Very similar, but there is still a fundamental difference in my opinion. Can you note it? You spot it. Yeah, well... I my, personally, I think it's much easier to not cause somebody pain and suffering than it is to give to them and to love them. It is easier to avoid and ignore than it is to intentionally love other people, which is the thing that sets Jesus's golden rule apart from all of the others that are like it. Jesus's golden rule is motivated by action. The others are motivated by passivity. You just sit back and you can be. And here's the irony of Confucius's. We likely are all fulfilling Confucius's golden rule most of the time. Like if we just sit back and ignore and avoid, we're there. Like we could be good law-abiding citizens, but we could also be angry, self-centered, closed off to the world, and isolated at the same time. And this is the difference between Jesus's golden rule and the rest. Jesus is motivated by action. And in Jesus's golden rule, we have a liberating basis for personal life and community life. And it answers that lifelong question that we have. What is the right thing to do? It's the question societies have been searching after and governments have been searching after. What is the right thing to do? And Jesus says it simply, Well, just think about the way that you want to be treated and just go and treat other people in that manner. If you want to be loved, go and love other people. If you want to be respected, respect other people's. This is genuine. It is how to treat other people. And this, according to Jesus, is the summary rule that expresses everything that God intended in the Old Testament with his community covenant people but also what Jesus expects of his disciples in the new creation. Jesus' teaching on prayer and the golden rule. So these past two weeks, last week we talked about prayer, ask, seek, knock, and God who is a generous father will give graciously to his children. Discussed that last week, prayer. 
And this week, the golden rule, uh, this brings to light two significant points about stability in one's discipleship. So on one hand, stability will come as a disciple learns to depend solely on the Heavenly Father, the one constant in the world. Whenever we can rely fully that our Father is going to give to his disciples everything they need from spiritual to material, he's going to give to them generously, and we create a healthy dependence on the Father. That's what we talked about last week. Step one of stability. Step two of stability. Stability will come through a healthy commitment to live for the benefit of other people. So to truly love others is to give to them for their benefit. And when there is truly mutual love, both persons can trust one another to take care of each other's needs. And so according to these two teachings right here from Jesus, a disciple of Jesus never has to worry about their needs being met because both they depend on the heavenly father, the one constant in their life to to give them everything they need. And they also depend on a community of believers who are treating them the way they would like to be treated because they have a connection with the Father and they are being loved and so they know how to love. It's stability and it's what Jesus wants us to kind of close in on as he gets to the end of his Sermon on the Mount teaching. Now, I want to do a little experiment and this is extremely difficult to do over a camera. If you're here in person, you'll see I bring my wife up and we do a little spatial uh, a spatial exercise, um, but you won't get to have that experience here, but I will try to explain what happened. So I invite my wife up and we stand and I ask her to assume, again, this is pre-COVID and this is assuming my wife is a stranger to me, ask her to, in, uh, to introduce herself to me. She comes, she shakes my hand, she says, nice to meet you. And then I step a cl- step closer to her, so we're about three feet apart, um, and things are a little awkward because we're a little too close. Closeness uh, assumes either aggression or intimacy, neither of which were appropriate on Sunday morning. And so I took quite a few steps back to be about six to eight feet away from her. And now it was a little too far. I mean, in the COVID times, it's just right. But in pre-COVID times, it's just a little awkward a little aloof maybe, I'm a little distant. Maybe my wife is wondering, do I smell bad? What's happening? And then I asked the audience to tell me the right moment in which I was just the right distance. And amazingly, they were able to identify it. Just the right moment that we were, that strangers, it's appropriate for strangers to be close to each other. And then I invite her off. And my point is this, did did anybody ever teach you the appropriate distance to stand from another person? Likely not. These are what we call um, unconscious competence. These are things that because of our culture, because of trial and error, they are just embedded inside of us. And we have a lot of these. Another example is like when we're going down a grocery aisle and we stand on the right side of the aisle and there's no traffic laws in the grocery aisle, but it's a courtesy and thing that's been embedded inside of us because of our experience of driving on the road, on the right side of it. And so these are cultural or unconscious competence, and we're extremely good at them, even though nobody taught us how to do them. Now, here's my question. What happens when you interact with a culture or a facet of diversity where these norms differ from one another? 
because they do quite often. In fact, even the distance that you stand from somebody who's a stranger while you're talking to them, it differs from one culture to the other. So I could be standing and talking with somebody from a different culture, and I might subconsciously think, you know, we're a little too close. I'm going to continue the conversation and take a step backwards. And then you switch roles, and the person from a different culture might say, hmm, I'm a little unfocused now. They took a step back. I'm going to recalibrate our distance and take a step forward, and now we're just right. And we could do this little dance all around the party all night long, always seeking to do to others what we want done to ourselves. And this is a silly example to introduce a far grander conversation about relativity. If we solely try to do to others what we want done to ourselves, we are going to get lost in this dance with people from other cultures and different experiences and different backgrounds than us. We are constantly going to be seeking to do what's right for me, but what if what's right for me is different from what's right from other people? And now we go back to Jesus' statement. So when Jesus makes this profound statement, do to others what you want done to yourself, you have to think it through to its end. Jesus does not assume that you know what to do in and of yourself, that you have something just embedded inside of you that you know by yourself the right thing to do. Because Jesus has already defined us in the human condition as broken, as in need of saving. In fact, if you just go back to last week's lesson, he calls us evil. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say an evil person know what's right to do to another person. And so what is Jesus saying in the statement? And I'll, I think it's this. We know how to treat other people by extension of our connection with the Father. Like the only way that we know how to love is because we have been loved. The statement it has a liberating basis for both personal life and community life. Love for God enables us to love others, which in the most practical sense is to do to them what you would want done to yourself. And what the golden rule assumes is that Jesus' disciples have experienced what is truly best for them. And so they know what to extend to other people. Disciples of Jesus, for example, have experienced the Father's love for them, a Father who wants to generously give to his children, and therefore, we know how to love not only our neighbor, but our enemies. Disciples of Jesus have experienced God's life-giving mercy, and so therefore, we have a standard for how we are to treat other people. Disciples of Jesus have received radical forgiveness for our sins and our wrongdoings, Therefore, we will go and love and forgive radically. Disciples of Jesus know what solitary dedication means because we have a connection with our Father who's dedicated to us. Therefore, we will extend solitary dedication in our, to our spouses. We'll eliminate lust and adultery and divorce from our community. Disciples of Jesus have experienced a world-changing power of prayer. Therefore, we will pray for people and with people. And in that way, all of Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount that we have covered so far, they have become a realistic practice for the golden rule. It's like Jesus has just laid out this sermon and said, okay, here's all the ways that you have been loved and what is expected of you. Now go and do these things. You have been shown mercy, so go give mercy. You have been shown love, so go and love. 
You have been sustained, so go and help sustain other people. These words from Jesus, they are an ethical ideal that fulfill the deepest inclinations of people made in the image of God. And it becomes a liberating basis for Jesus' disciples to not depend on external legalistic obligations, but to extend in concrete activities the very love God has offered us and that we have experienced in our kingdom life. Put simply, let's get busy. Following Jesus is not a pursuit of intellectual prowess. It's not just learning more. And trust me, sometimes I wish it was. I wish God would give me a thumbs up if at the end of my life he said, you know what, you studied my Bible every day, you did everything you would, you secluded yourself to your office away from the world, and you just learned the Bible and maybe had to teach it every once in a while. You know what, Like that's what I love to do. But he didn't say that. Instead, Jesus said, go into the world. I mean, this is the, the, the church that worships Jesus, the one who said, if you're not willing to Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. I don't even know you. You're not one of my disciples. I mean, this is the church that worships the one who said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. Whenever I had no clothes, you clothed me. Whenever I was sick, you took care of me. Whenever I was in prison, you came and visited me. And everybody in the crowd was like, Jesus, when do we do those things for you? And the king replied, truly I say to you, That which you did for the least of these, you have done for me as well. Go into the world, Jesus said. Don't protect yourself away from it. Go into the world and feed the hungry. Go into the world and pray for those who are broken and in desperate need of of grace and hope. Go into the world and share your testimony. Share what Jesus has done in your life. Go into the world and baptize people in my name. Go into the world and love people with the same sincerity that God has loved you. And this church is not new to loving outwardly. We have been doing things throughout the years to bless our community and bless people and and help them in their walk with Jesus. And while the circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic have changed the way how we love, the mission of Jesus has not changed. Methods transform all the time. But Jesus' mission to love others the way you have been loved, it will always stay the same. So we have an announcement because of that. We are going through with our annual Christmas party for the community this year. This is a meal that is primarily um, supported by Jay, Dean, and Christine. It's a meal we usually have on Christmas Eve, but to make things a little safer and a little more controllable, We are doing it on December 20th. It's the Sunday before Christmas, immediately after service from 11 to 2 p.m. And there's going to be opportunities to serve and opportunities to meet. This is going to serve both as our Christmas Eve meal and our Christmas party for our church. And we're excited to do it in the safest and most successful way we can. So we're bringing in the Source Dignity Food Truck. They're going to be providing the meal uh, and they're going to be uh, serving it and to go. We're going to set up tables out in our parking lot, um, and we're going to ask people to just limit their time, and we'll sanitize the space. And we need you. If you are a member of our church, a regular here, we need you to be a part of this and to make this successful. We need people 
um, setting up and breaking down. We need people sanitizing the spaces after somebody finishes. We need people praying with other people and serving in some capacity. And so this is a meal we bless hundreds of people with um, every year, and we want to make sure we have another successful year. So there's three things that you can do, action steps that you can do following this lesson. Number one, mark December 20th on your calendars. Dedicate that time. I'm going to be there. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to open that door for God to do amazing things through me. December 20th, immediately after surface, mark your calendars. I'm going to be there. The second thing, what better way to spread Christmas cheer than Christmas caroling? And that's exactly what we're doing this year. And we are for sure doing it. We already have leaders in place. We're already forming groups. December 16th and December 17th, you choose tonight, Wednesday night or Thursday night from 6 to 8 p.m., we're going to bless the community and the neighborhood surrounding the church building by Christmas caroling in a safe way. We'll deliver little hand good bags with invitations to the Christmas meal and other things about us on doorsteps. And then the carolers will convene in the middle of the road and sing out to the houses that they um, that they deliver the stuff to. Uh, we want you to be involved in those as well. So connect with us. Message us on our church website, on our email, send me a message if you have it, whatever, just be involved December 16th and 17th. And finally, the last thing, and this is just something that we're doing, and by the time you see this, it'll likely be done, but we will be canvassing at homeless sites immediately after service this Sunday morning. And so um, we just pray that God does amazing things through the people that we deliver those invitations to. And pray for yourself during this holiday season. It's been a rough year. Many of us are just trying to turn over the calendar to 2021, but I can almost guarantee that even with the calendar change, problems stay the same. We live in a broken world in desperate need of saving, and we believe at our church that that answer is Jesus and leading and pointing people towards him. And so we these efforts are just our way of sharing that message of hope with our community, and we want you involved in any way you can. We pray, we're praying for you on how you are living out the golden rule this month, this day, this week, in your, in your homes, in your neighborhoods. God bless you and happy December.